Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and also a keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of information about all kinds of things related to wellness, positive psychology, my own particular spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and lots of other great things to help you become the best version of yourself that you can be, and especially to live your life enthusiastically. As listeners to my podcast know, that my goal is to bring you people who lead not only lead their own lives enthusiastically, but have special ways of helping us to do so and to become the best versions of ourselves on a daily basis. We try to bring in variety as well as competence, entertainment, and high quality. And our guest today really represents all of those kinds of things. I am really happy to present Maria Brito, who is an award-winning New York-based contemporary art advisor, author, and curator. She is a graduate of Harvard Law School, and she originally comes from Venezuela. Maria has been selected by Complex Magazine as one of the 20 power players in the art world, and she was named by Art News as one of the visionaries who gets to shape the art world. So this isn't small stuff we're bringing you. We got, got one of the real power players today. She's written for many, many publications. She's taught her creativity course to companies. And in 2019, she launched Jumpstart, an online program on creativity for entrepreneurs. And it's based on years of research and observation in both the areas of business and in art. In 2019, she created and hosted The Sea Files with Maria Brito, a TV and streaming ser- series for PBS's new station, All Arts. Her projects have been featured extensively in national and international publications, and she is author of How Creativity Rules the World. So uh, hopefully we'll be really able to rule the world by the end of this podcast. More importantly, you're going to be able to get her book, which has not yet come out, but will be coming out soon, being published by on March 15th by HarperCollins. So, Maria, the introduction exhausts me, but I am really (laughs) looking forward to sharing what you know and at least a small part of it and having a great conversation with you. So welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Thank you, Dr. Kaiser. I'm so happy to be here with you and with the folks uh, in the audience who are listening, thank you for being here. I am excited to talk to you. I love what you do. And so this is an enormous and and fantastic opportunity. Thank you. Well, it's a real pleasure to have you. And I don't recall if we've ever had a creativity expert before. 
I know you're a law school graduate. Uh, it's not necessarily uh, what I would typically associate with the kind of person who's producing creative ventures as out in the art world and stuff like that. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming Maria Brito 2022 version? Of course. And that's an incredibly good question to, to get us started because I was an attorney, a corporate attorney in New York City, and I chose the wrong career. And I think that it's important to own that mistake, if you will. And why did I choose the wrong career is because I was following my parents' idea of what I needed to do with my life to be successful and to have something dependable and a stream of income that was solid and whatnot. And the truth is that for a few years, I think I, I believed it myself and I just couldn't hold that lie anymore. And, and it was a very difficult period of my life where I felt so much shame and guilt of like not liking it and wanted to do anything outside of that law firm because it was consuming my joy and my creative capabilities. And so here's when the story of the creativity expertise comes is that I had as a child a lot of artistic inclinations and I just want to make sure that I clarify what creativity is for, for our listeners. Creativity is your unique ability to come up with ideas of value that are relevant for today. And it doesn't matter if you're an accountant, if you are a doctor, if you are a dentist, if you are a lawyer, whatever it is, it's not for artists, it's not artistic ability. Creativity is a very fundamental part of every human being and it has a lot to do with purpose and meaning and happiness because those ideas are yours and uniquely yours. Only you had all those experiences. Only you had that upbringing. Only you have read what you have read. And so those are the, the creative faculties of human beings. Anyway, I was very sad and miserable in this job. And I had my first child. And when I thought about what kind of legacy I was going to leave him and what are the things I was going to taught him and what were the examples I wanted him to learn from me. I couldn't live with the thought of me being an attorney who hated what I was doing and I was just selling out because it was a good thing and that was paying money for me and, and, and what else, right? And so when I was a child, I had a lot of artistic inclinations. I was a singer and a dancer. And my parents thought those were very beautiful things as a hobby, but not as a career. And as I saw myself when I had my child and I was 32 years old, of course, I couldn't go and be a dancer and a singer. At that age, I could have done it as a hobby. And I do. But I, I was thinking, what are my passions? What are my skills? I'm very good at choosing artists for my friends. I'm very good at establishing relationships with people who may seem snob, but I am so down to earth. I get to figure out how to work with them. And, you know, being an attorney and having seen so many people also helped me a lot to relate to big, you know, CEOs and bankers and whatnot that seemed impenetrable, but I was like always figuring out with my Latino ways how to get to those people. And so I said, well, I have all these skills. 
I do want to do something with them that is fulfilling and meaningful. And I told my husband, I'm going to quit. I'm going to open a business. It's going to be an art advisory. And I'm just going to pay a web designer. I'm going to pay someone to help me with messaging. And he thought I was a little crazy. You know, I mean, he thought I had the remnants of postpartum depression, which possibly I had. But thank God, because it actually pushed me into this direction. And it's not that he was not supportive, it's that he was very worried that I was gonna do something where I had no clients, no real life experience in that particular business. And he said, how are you gonna do this? And I said, I'm not sure, but I'm gonna do it. And so I went with it and it's been 13 years. And so as, as soon as I got into this new business, I started taking a lot of important notes, interviewing people, interviewing artists, interviewing specialists about what was creativity and what it meant for them and where they came up with it. For you know, where was that source of amazing ideas? Where does you know where did Steve Jobs get his ideas? Where does Adam Grant or Malcolm Gladwell get his ideas, their ideas, or you know, Michael Dell or Beyonce, where are they getting their ideas? And so I set out to just put this information together alongside how I was applying all those specific habits and methods and attitudes that all these people presented. Because when I saw that there were common denominators, then I started putting together a, a map, a pattern and a blueprint of what those people did. And it was not rocket science. It was just a, an amalgamation of attitudes. And that's really what creativity is. It's not a God-given talent. It is an amalgamation of habits and skills that includes being able to pay attention, being able to be present in the moment, but at the same time having vision risk-taking, curiosity, a lot of things that technology has also taken away from us because we rely too much on pressing buttons. And that is what was my start in this incredible journey where I not only got to work as an art advisor, but also as a creativity expert, helping others transition, pivot, get better at what they do, find ideas where they thought they were not solutions, decision-making. It's a lot. I mean, creativity permeates every part of our lives. Well, there's uh, so much to unpack in that answer. There's uh, thinking about five different directions that I, I could go. But one of the, the really key things that I'm hearing is that we shouldn't kind of confuse creativity with a certain set of things such as art or music or dance or whatever. And, and I remember I, uh, I'm i old enough that I was uh, still already functioning professionally when uh, Abraham Maslow was still alive. And many of us know him from the hierarchy of needs. And just as you were talking, there, there was from one of his presentations, it just kicked off a thought in my mind when he was saying he, he was talking about creativity and was expressing the fact that his his mother's soup was much more creative than some <laughs> of the art that he has seen. So that it's important to think in terms of, you know, where you're functioning and how you can be creative in those areas. But one of the things that I guess is implied in what your answer is that is that creativity can be taught. 
Is, is that correct? I mean, uh, yes. Many of us have grown up thinking, hey, this you either have talent and no. it, creativity can be taught. But the, the, the real answer to your question is we are born tremendously creative. And there are studies from the 1970s and Dr. George Land from Arizona, he already passed away and his wife were hired by NASA to conduct the studies at trying to find who were the most creative astronauts. And those were the ones who were given the hardest projects. And when they got the results of that test, they say, why don't we do this with children? And so they tested a vast amount of kids at the age of four, five, eight, 10, 12, et cetera. All the four-year-olds, all of them were 98% of them were they scored at the highest level of creativity. The fives, at, let's say, you know, 90. And then as they got older, when they were in their the same children were tested. And when they were in their 30s, only two percent of them were creative. Hmm. And so that is a perfect, actually proven by science, right? It's a perfect study that it, there's nothing better than that study actually to prove this is that we lose our creative capabilities as we get older. And why is that? Because we are exposed to very rigid educational systems that tell us what to think and not how to think. Americans love standardized tests. There is only one answer. There's one and only one answer. That does not allow for any creative capabilities to surface, right? Uh, we are exposed to media. It's too much media, too, that is constantly drowning all our senses. And it's the stimuli on the streets, the billboards, this and that, right? So there's a lot of noise around us that actually just strangle our creative capabilities little by little. And there is a term that psychologists have coined that is called the fourth grade slump, because that's when children start to lose their creativity. And so we have in our hands the capabilities to reclaim our four years old. And so how do we do that is by applying all these habits consistently in our lives and developing the confidence in our ideas. Because if anybody would have told you maybe even 15 years ago that we would be doing this, you are on the other side of the country and me, and we are both talking through a system that allows us to see each other in perfect timing, you would have said, that sounds impossible. Or that you would have done it through a phone where you can FaceTime people who are in you know, Australia, you would say that's not possible. So what was that? It was, it was a man called Steve Jobs who believed it was possible. And people maybe say, but that was Steve Jobs. Sure, Steve Jobs was a guy, a dropout in California, adopted, who decided to go with his gut. And so I think that we tend to put all this power on others, but we have it. We have this power in us. We have the power to come up with ideas that forget about changing the world because that seems like such a big and gigantic goal all the time. And, and we don't have to change the world. We have to change our world. We have to change 
the the world around us. And how do we do that is by being our best selves with our ideas. And if there is a country that loves ideas, is this one, is the United States of America, where the main business of the United States of America is business. And to succeed in that space, you have to have great ideas. The one of the things you said really hit home because as a psychologist, I don't, I don't really test anymore, but earlier in my career I did. And one of the things that used to really gall me was there were some tests where you, if you got the wrong answer, you would lose two points. And if you didn't try, if you left it blank, you'd only lose one point. And, you know, I, I can't imagine anything that would stifle creativity more than that. But it, which leads me to the question, if, if I were a young parent and wanted to make sure that I encourage creativity in, in my kids, what could I do? What, what things can we do to really counterbalance some of the things that you said are going on in, in the world and that we recognize between the social media and uh, the testing and things of that nature? You know, we as parents are always navigating this fine line between being disciplinarians and at the same time allowing our kids to have some slack, right? And so I think that a lot of the times we, tr we try to censor our kids or we try to clip a little bit of their wings or whatever, like, no, that's impossible. Or, you know, very few people get to that point or you cannot be a professional soccer player, whatever, you know, I mean, a bunch of things that we actually protect our own fears and our own experiences onto our kids. And so I, I would say that one of the things is like, you know, there is a saying that says there is nothing more dangerous than a parent with unfulfilled lives, right? Like, because we want actually the kids to do what we couldn't do, or we tend to project so many things. So I would say, allow your child to have an independent way of thinking and doing things that you're not consistently and constantly micromanaging, right? I mean, you want your kids to think for themselves. You also don't want your kids to take things at face value because the time to actually question everything is when you're a child. And if, if you put too many logics and ifs and buts, and then imagine if somebody would have told uh, Elon Musk that he cannot really send a man to Mars or that, you know, the only people in the world with access to rockets are just those who work for the government, right? I mean, like, we are in the face of unprecedented changes and advances, and the truth is they go too far, but because they belong to people who actually were willing to dare convention, right? And so the way I also try to raise my kids is to allow them to think for themselves. I have a child who is obsessed with becoming a chef. And all I do is push him into like, you want to do a class, you want to do, you want to go at a friend's restaurant in New York City and spend four days in the kitchen. Or, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm trying to let them discover their desires and their likes and dislikes and to say for themselves, 
there is an opportunity here. And, and this, this boy of mine who says he wants to be a chef, he comes to me and says, I, I want to have a, like an international chain of restaurants, mom. I mean, he's not thinking like he's just going to be a little chef. I mean, like this boys like have ideas, right? And I support them. I'm not saying I'm financing them. I'm saying I'm supporting what you want to be and whatever you want to do. And I'm allowing you to be who you want to be. And I think that's, that's incredibly important. And one other thing is cultivate as many interests as possible. So make sure that, you know, it's not only sports, try to take them to a concert or take them to a museum. There are museums in the United States in every city. And if not the nearby city, cultivate this idea that they can have a different activities or, you know, play an instrument or cooking or math or you name it. It's important for, for kids to have a variety of interests so that they amplify their own, you know, capabilities of seeing the world from many different perspectives. And so that is really crucial. If someone wants to really be able to see opportunities that other people miss is to be, to have a very wide perspective of the world. That's also really good for your brain too, because you're developing different parts of the brain with the emphasis on different activities. And uh, there is a lot of research now indicating that Creativity, more so than intelligence, uh, will tend to keep the brain healthier longer and and actually allow you to live longer. So we talked about kids. I, I uh, want to ask about the other side of the spectrum or the other end of it. What about the person who went to law school and didn't hate law, but didn't necessarily develop much creativity in in their activities or whatever field, my field, medicine, whatever, at, at some point it became a repetitive kind of thing. And there may be some aspects of their life that, that they just haven't been able to develop. And they reach a, an age where they've got the time, they may have the interest, they don't have the skills for it or the lifestyle that that necessarily says, well, you know, now I'm going to do painting or now I'm going to do creative writing or now I'm going to work on, on cooking and creating recipes. What about the person who feels that, that they've missed out on something, but it's not too late? If somebody's in their second half century of life, what suggestions do you have for them? Listen, nothing is too late. And I think that you are no, never going to be as young as you are today. And that's important, right? I mean, if you want to do something new, you want to pivot your career, you want to start a business, there are myriad ways to do that nowadays. And there are a lot of transferable skills. And it, where, whatever you did in your previous job or occupation, there are tons of things that you can bring to the table and whatever you want to do next. And I think that it all begins with this desire. And one thing that I'm sure you are obviously very aware of is the incredible phenomenon of neuroplasticity. And so our brains change for two reasons. One is if we want them to change. And two is by consistently doing something every day 
for at least 66 days. Whoever says it's 21 days is not true. It's an, an anecdotal thing of a plastic surgeon who operated a nose and that person figured out that in the 21st day, they were used to their new nose. No, it's 60, at least 66 days for the brain to make a change. And what does that mean? If you claim daily that you have creative capabilities, that you can come up with ideas, if you use... Um, your hands to journal. You don't, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming everybody knows how to write longhand, right? Like I'm, I'm not asking you to paint like Picasso. I'm asking people to allow themselves to be a part of this new, also it's a new wave because our worlds have been turned upside down for the past two years. And what we already know is that nothing is certain, right? And that we are much more resilient than we thought we were. And so with those two pieces of knowledge, I think that everything is possible. And there is a chance and an opportunity right now because we have a new world to create new solutions for whatever it is that you think is a problem that you want to tackle, right? I mean, I think that, like you said, creativity is not coming up with this things that you're going to sell in, in Etsy, that you're going to sell in Etsy or, or you know, a, a new painting. It's more about finding those connections and associations that you have been paying attention to. Like you said, why wouldn't somebody come up with this solution? Well, you do it now, right? I mean, is, this is the time. And pivoting is a necessary part of any career in business. If Even if you are happy and you are satisfied with what you're doing, you have to adapt. And that's why you're doing a podcast because you enjoy that this is a new technology, this is a new medium, that this is a new platform to connect with people and you're very good at it, right? I mean, you could have said, oh, I already have a book. I'm so excellent at what I do. I've had a wonderful career as a psychologist and then you wouldn't have met all these amazing people and connected with so many amazing people and also bring all this knowledge to your listeners through this new platforms. So changes are necessary and the only constant is change. And the more you resist it, I think the, the worse is going to be the shock of finding the new each time. And so I love to talk to these ideas in podcasts because people who listen to podcasts are people who are invested in growth, people who want to get better at who they are and what they do, people who have curiosity and desire for new outlooks. And I encourage people to evaluate their skills, the level of mastery that they have over certain things. I encourage people to evaluate their hobbies, the things that make their heart sing, you know, and not take crazy risks, but calculated risks on, you know, little by little measuring opportunities of what could it be. But anything that is a new business and everything that is a new product or everything that is new will take time, commitment and determination. And I think that's kind of like the part that sometimes lacking in our minds is that we think that we cannot start something new and it's going to be immediately successful. And as you know, in your 120th episode, it takes time, commitment, determination, and working at it. And so I think that if people cannot radically change what they do, at least they can find outlets of expression and activities that, you know, that give them that 
that moment of happiness and fulfillment that they don't find in other activities. Even if it's just writing a newsletter or a blog, or I think there are outlets for people and those outlets can turn into other things. Great advice. Uh, I have a feeling that I'm going to be asking a dumb question now. I usually do at least once a podcast, but if I have no idea what I want to do from a creative standpoint, but I, I as an example, I, I like art from an appreciation standpoint. I've never had any real identified talent about it. But if I decided that I wanted to learn how to draw, paint, uh, produce art, or it could be almost anything else. If I wanted to write a book and never did, is it something that I can start and do that I can decide to do? Or is there something that I should be looking for that's a clue that says, no, do this instead, because this is something that, that you've been in touch with for 20 or 30 years? I think that it's not a dumb question at all. It's a very, very smart question. And the answer to that is that all of us are also equipped with a fundamental part of our creativity, which is our intuition. And that's another one that we have unlearned how to listen to and how to follow because, you know, intuition has been called the sixth sense and not just for no reason. Intuition can save us from danger. It can guide us in a moment where we need it. It can help, you know, find solutions also because intuition is a lot faster when you allow it. And so I think that there is a moment of reflection and silence that we all should do daily. Some people want to call it meditation. Some people, it doesn't really matter. You don't have to be in a cave with infrared lights and incense. It, it just has to be a few minutes of silence and allowing yourself to have those answers. And so if you're pulled in a variety of directions and you just think that, oh, let me try this because I like it or or you have this gut feeling that tells you, let me just do this other thing, right? Like how many times have we dismissed our gut feeling and ended up in trouble for not doing it? And the same, it's not that the gut feeling is there just for like, you know, to tell you this super mega important things. It is there for everything. I think it is important that you spend time in silence getting to understand the physical signals. And sometimes it's just the senses that tell you what to do next and where, where is the proper path to explore whatever it is that you have been pondering, right? And so I think also sometimes you just want to be spontaneous and say, well, maybe I just go and enroll myself in a couple of classes of pottery or painting or creative writing and see if that, I have done that myself. I haven't wrote myself. I wrote myself in creative writing. I'm not a fiction writer, but I did. And I loved it. And it was fantastic. And, you know, I did a couple of classes of filmmaking because I want to see how far I can stretch my brain. And all of those experiences help me. Sometimes I read books completely outside of the genre that I like to read. Because I know that by reading those books, I'm prompting other parts of my brain to actually tell me something else that I have not been considering. And so those things don't necessarily happen automatically. They happen with time. But 
you have both your intuition and also a desire to improve and self-actualize yourself. And so both things are valid to follow. But I think that if you have to choose, then always go with your intuition. I think the uh, the other side of that coin is if if you pursue something and you don't like it, that helps you to kind of go in the right direction. In the meantime, you've picked up some some additional input that makes you more interesting and being able to appreciate whatever that was, pottery or the creative writing or whatever. So we've gotten some really, really fantastic advice from you, Maria, but we haven't talked about your book and I know it's not out yet, but it will be soon enough. Aside from, you know, uh, what I'm sure will be some of the same kinds of things expanded upon in the book, but what is, Why'd you write it and what's it about? Well, I'm super excited about how creativity rules the world. And the subtitle is The Art and Business of Turning Your Ideas into Gold. And as I told you before, I have been a student of creativity for 13 years and a guinea pig myself, seeing how far I can push my mind and my projects. And I think coming from the really barren world of being a corporate attorney to where I am right now, that I can create TV shows and I can write a book and a newsletter and I have produced products in collaboration with artists and I have curated exhibitions around the world. I am a proof that this can be done. And so what I did is like, I created a whole methodology that allows people to build the confidence to pursue their wildest dreams and their wild ideas while at the same time having a blueprint on how to implement them because ideas are a dime a dozen, but if you don't know how to execute them, then they are left there, right? And so part of being creative is also knowing how to execute them. And so I wrote this book, taking information from history, from psychology, from business, from science and neuroscience that is so important because I wanted people to have a very comprehensive book in their hands where they could use it as reference for the rest of their lives. It's not a fad. It's not a trend. I wanted people to see that book as something that they can go and keep referring to for as long as they live, right? And so at the end of each chapter, there is a very important section that I created, which is actionable with a lot of exercises and prompts and ideas that encapsulate what people learn in that chapter and then give them the practical advice on what to do to keep coming up with more ideas and more ideas. And so I, I feel that I am excited and I accomplished my objective uh, the early readers have told me that the book is destined to become a classic. And I hope that they are right because that the intention when you are an author and you are is to put your best energy and your best work out in the world. And that is what I want this book to do. And I'm excited to offer a an amazing deal for whomever wants to pre-order my book, How Creativity Rules the World, in any of the bookstores and Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Bookshop, IndieBound, anywhere where books are sold. And they email the pre-order confirmation of the purchase to book 
at mariabreda.com. And that is Maria, M-A-R-I-A, B as in boy, R-I-T as in Tom, O.com. We'll give them free access to my creativity course masterclass online, which was developed when I used to do all these classes in big companies. And then the executives wanted to know how I had transitioned from an attorney to what I am today. And people had great results. And then I said, I'm going to do a version online. And so I had had more than a hundred students in that class. And now I'm giving it away for free during the pre-order. So the pre-order ends on March 15th. So this will be released before and I will be more than happy to receive those emails and open that course for you. I hope you are listening to this because <laughs> I mean, that's an incredible, you know, just a combination of the both the book and the masterclass for the price of the book. Yep. Uh, that, that's, you know, amazing. And I, I, I just, I'm a little overwhelmed by it, but I, I think that it's, you know, do yourselves a favor if you're uh, <laughs> make sure that you do it, you order it before March 15th, because I guess that's when the deal goes off. And then, then you are only stuck with the book that is well worth the price. Master class. <laughs> well, and, yes. And, and, you know, I'm generous and, and I am on a mission to create this new group of entrepreneurs, thinkers, creators, creatives, dreamers who actually are going to go and change the world. Yeah, and they're going to live longer to do so because, again, creativity has been found to be a better predictor than intelligence and so many other things of how keeping the, the brain active for longer and improved health and stuff like that. So, I mean, this has been, you know, tremendously valuable. Uh, where else can they find you and any of the other products or services that you offer? Yes, you can come to my website. It's mariabreda.com. And that has all the links to social media and contact forms and all that. So if mariabreda.com is the best place where you can find my connections to everywhere that you can get in touch with me. And that will all be in the show notes. So if you're driving, keep driving, you'll, you'll be <laughs> able to download it and get it in the show notes. Listeners are used to the fact that I tend to run out of time before I run out of questions. I'm <laughs> going to really have to rethink the format of whether we're going to have longer podcasts or two-part ones or something like that, because, I mean, today is just an example of just how much information our guests can give us at one time that can not only help uh, us lead our lives more enthusiastically and become a better version of ourselves, but really change the way that we look at ourselves and the world and have an impact on the world. And all of us have that ability to, we've got something to offer to the world if we just get it out there. And not getting it out there means that you're not being creative. So being creative naturally will enhance you, but it also will do a lot of good for the world. So 
Maria, can't thank you enough. It's been such a pleasure and so educational having you on the podcast and looking forward to hopefully doing this again sometime. We will. Thank you. And let's everybody get out and get that book. In the meantime, uh, I can't imagine that you did enjoy the podcast, but if you did, then make sure that you tell others about it and that you press like uh, wherever you're listening. Ideally, you'll rate it and comment upon it and come back next week when we have another really, really interesting guest. And this has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, our special guest today, Maria Brito, and all things creative and really, really practical advice on how to better ourselves by developing that creative part of ourselves. So again, website is the Mental Health Gym. Please visit. Please feel free to make recommendations for uh, upcoming guests. And make sure that once again, that you pay a visit to whether it be Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or wherever it is. And if you haven't picked up your copy of Rejuvenating yet, you can do both at the same time. Plus, you get the, that master class if you do it soon enough. And uh, as we come to a close, I do want to remind you, I hope to not have to be saying this, but we're still in the pandemic, so stay safe out there. Be back next week, and we'll have another interesting guest. And keep listening, because this is an example of how you can better yourself and better the world by doing so. Take care. Dr. Ron Kaiser signing off.